0: Hello and welcome to another podcast in the series Cepha Conversations hosted by QQI. My name is Sue Hackett, and I'm really happy to, today to be able to welcome Julie Butters, a U, who works at the University College Cork as a language teacher and academic coordinator, and I must say is also a co-founder of EAP Ireland, um, to talk about the CEFA in relation to EAP, i.e. English for academic purposes. So welcome, Julie. It's great to have you here and thank you
1: for giving us your time. Thank you very much, Sue, um, for welcoming me and asking me to do this. Um, and thank you generally to the amount of work that you guys are doing at QQI. Um, especially, it's great to have you there as guidance for all the developments. And it's really exciting, kind of after the QQI um, 10th anniversary con- um, anniversary conference um, last week, the future of education is, is, is it sounds like an exi- exciting time to be a part of it. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for asking me.
0: Thanks, Julian. Absolutely, and I'm sure you saw the the international education mark part of the one of yes. the initiatives in QQI at the conference last week as well. The poster and the the talk that they yeah. gave. So you can see on the international side and the international student side, international yeah. education side, which of, co- of which of course English uh, language education is a core section, is really that, dynamic and there's lots happening.
1: Yeah, it is, and uh, it was great to get meet Mary um as well, Mary Grennan, that's leading on the international education mark, and that throughout presentations, language and skills was a large part of many of the presentations about even further education, higher education. So it could, we can see that we're at the centre of it. So that's yes, great. that
0: was kind of good to see, wasn't it? It was yeah. good to see everything sort of clicking in together and all, all the overlaps and the yeah. the um the how, how things integrate. Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe I'll just start by asking you how do you think the CEFA has influenced
1: how EAP programs are designed? Okay. So I'm just talking here this first question really from my experience to start with. So um, I've been teaching EAP for since for about 16 years Um, and throughout those 16 years all the various conferences I've attended and workshops I've attended and schools and universities I've been a part of. We've not the CFR hasn't come up. very much actually in reference. Now what I think in my experience that's been to do with um when I first started out I would have very much been using the EAP course books, which would be aligned with the CFR, but they'd already within the course book, they're there for us to to use um and 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 various other materials. Um and I think that um what happened as well over the years was that um looking at the CFR, it didn't Completely seem um, fit for EAP and the complex nature of EAP, which I'm going to talk about um, in a minute. Um, as such, because there, it, it's a, it's quite a complex area when creating um, curriculum um, and 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 so forth. Um, and I think obviously there were there were critiques in in some aspects. What it, it When I say critiques, first of all, I should mention that um, this last week I attended um, a learning outcomes session held at UCC and it's something um, that I was thinking about whilst um, sitting there listening is that we have a whole reference of learning outcomes for the discipline of English language teaching and other languages. That is amazing. It's an amazing feat to have a framework and we've had it for 21 years, if I'm right. Yeah, yeah, that's we've right. had that for 21 years and universities are really now starting to kind of introduce and really push the learning outcomes agenda. And we've been, you know, we've had that as a reference for for 21 years and it's it's been an absolute invaluable reference. Um, but I think that um, it, it's now the, 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 the most recent um, CFR is really starting to kind of um, really meets the progressive nature that our discipline is moving in okay Do you and you mean I, the companion volume there the companion what, what volume came out the companion that. volume yes. okay. yeah. and what came out in that you know i think very much over the years there was a big critique uh, about the the native um, speakerism aspect about it and so forth um however from the the new companion what i really like at the beginning is how they um how they really kind of Explained how the reference was maybe misused in many aspects. That it's not there as objective, concrete learning outcomes. It's there as a reference, a guide that need that to be modified and to continue to be questioned. You know that it is a document for project work, but when using it, we need to continue modifying and um, questioning what's there for our purposes Um, for for your context, I guess, the context for the context you're working in. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that in that companion, the explanation of how it's developed, I thought was, you know, I would recommend everybody to read the document and to go through those explanations and read how it's developed and how it's changed. Um, And you can see really the progression in that it, for me, overall, what it does, it it basically matches the complexity that communication is, you know, that's involved in communication. It's not just purely a speaking skill, a written skill, a listening skill and a reading skill. There's a lot more, far more interaction going on there. Um, even amazing, as we yes. know, when listening to a lecture, there's far more interaction and activity going on. So it really highlights that kind of complexity now. Um, and I think... Um, we can kind of see that some of the things that i've um that I've picked out if you don't mind me just quoting a little bit yeah, from it please do I think the fundamentals um of the c f r is that it gives us a common meta language, okay so it's a real for e e p even it's a great starting point, and it gives us that meta language to talk about and break down the complex area of communication okay so um if we look now, we have things like um plural, plural and we've now got language around that a meta language in the can do statements to consider and think about what it is in action and what does it sound like what does it look like um as well um and also what I think is very relevant today Um, for EAP is that the CFR is really looking at, and quoting from the CFR, it's language users as social agents, okay? And that's how EAP really moves and and is looking at students and what they're doing in the classroom as very much the social um, agents and the social context of where they're learning. Um, So those aspects of, let's say, mediation, Pluralism, plural culture, co constructing meaning, for me, bring that progressive side to the CFR that we've been talking about very much, I know in ELT and in EAP contexts that I think is useful. And actually, I think that those elements are useful in all many contexts of teaching and learning. Yes, absolutely. You know? yes. There's a lot there. If I look at, for example, um, Digital learning can participate actively in an online discussion. Stating and responding to opinions that would be useful in all aspects of teaching and learning. Um, And mediation can establish a supportive environment for shared ideas, facilitating discussion of delicate issues. That's very many academic programs, not just EAP. Um, And plural culture, creating a shared space between and among linguistically, culturally different. Um, that again is all programmes that students yes, are, in. know, that's
0: so interesting and it really shows the importance of sort of that, like the EAP programme, if you like, and support maybe for, for learners,
1: even whose language, uh, whose first language is English. Definitely. Yep, definitely, because that's all about learning how to communicate in a global environment with linguistically diverse backgrounds, which is many of our students um, today Um, and and maybe including that and embedding this in curriculums across many, many programmes so we can see we can see now that progression, you know, and um, which I think is relevant to all. There's also, I think, a lot more um, EAP reference um, in in specific learning outcomes that we look at, um, that uh, that we can look at um, as well. So, for example, understanding conversation between other speakers can easily follow complex interactions between third parties in group discussions and debates, even on abstract, complex topics. That's very much in would be an eap learning outcome can follow most lectures discussions and debates with relative ease i'm looking at c1 here at the moment so it's clear that there's also specific learning outcomes that would be relevant and it would act as a very good guide for those cur- developing curriculum for eap
0: Absolutely. So let's say you were an academic manager in a language school, Julie, and you had a group of students who were looking to access or enter um, undergrad, uh, um, higher education. What, what would you see as the, the sort of the focus of a programme like that in terms of and maybe relate it to the SEFA if, if, if possible?
1: yeah this is where it comes the complexity of VEP ep we need to consider so i think that the sephir and it and it's it was very timely you asking um me to contribute here because we've recently just had a, a level eight program international masters pathway Um, UCC approved recently and we are developing the curriculum and my first one of my first jobs for that is looking at um, what we can use from the CFR as a guidance. So I would say to be to start with the CFR, however, I think you need to think of the complexity of the EEP context, Okay, So what does that involve? The EEP context can involve discipline specific aspects. It can also involve grading, not just in a way that's a CFR grading of C1, B2. It may need grading like on our program, we're going to have to grade at a 2-2 and a 2-1 equivalent. So what what I would suggest to many, many of those creating programs is that there's a combination of references specifically here in Ireland that we need to be looking at. You've got the CFR, You've also got Pearson's Academic English, which I think people were starting to use a lot more before the CFR came along because it had specific academic English. Um, So it was kind of a bit more manageable in some aspects, but I, I don't think that's enough on its own. I think we need the CFR and have a look at the Pearson's GSE, Academic English Learning Outcomes. We also need Bar Leaps. Yes, um, that's a good point. Handu statements. Just um, just explain who Bali are so Bali are the British um, Association of English for academic purposes, lecturers for lecturers of English for academic purposes. OK, and we were working very closely with them um, with EAP European Ireland. They were hugely supportive because they really are a, a kind of global network and they are one of the most um, resourced and most supportive Um, network of professionals and they really are there to share. It's it's really scholarship and sharing scholarship at the heart. So they've produced, through a lot of research and looking at various disciplines, huge amount of research, they've put put together can-do statements for postgraduate students. Okay, and activities where those learning outcomes could be enacted as well. So you'd want to be looking at that because it's very much um, specifically focusing on postgraduate students at university and the skills involved there. Julie, where could
0: you find all that?
1: Is it freely available? It's freely available on the Bali website. Yeah, the can do statements there is is freely available. but if you do, if you can't find it or you do need any any help, there is a, there's an email address there and they will be willing to help and consult you on, on that as well. Um so you've got the can do statements there. And then for ourselves, what I would highly recommend, even if you're doing a, an, an, an English um, for general EAP, maybe the students might be going back to their own education system. They're not necessarily going to be continuing here in Ireland. I would still recommend looking at the National Union of um, National University of Ireland grade descriptors, where they grade students at two one, two twos, because I think when you're developing the curriculum, all of these sources are acting as frames of reference, and they're frames of. Benchmarking and quality assurance and enhancements, and they will help you to achieve that. So I think that if we're looking at all of them, we're looking at the word type of wording that's been used and mapping them onto each other. I think together in Ireland we were able to produce um, very very solid, high quality um, learning outcomes that are based on very much um, the evidence that's out there and the last thing i would do is maybe to maybe get some rubrics from actual programs so if it's undergraduate level just get a few rubrics if you can from those programs and um, from different programs and again what we're using them for is terms of reference the language that's used to differentiate levels
0: yes that's so useful isn't it yeah. and, and as, if that language can be common across across some academic managers program developers et cetera, so much the better
1: exactly so ultimately it's about mapping the b2s and the c1s levels probably onto in our case onto a 2-1 and a 2-2 right right how do they map how how can we map them so that they're in line um, with what that needs yes yeah
0: do you do you have in-sessional
1: as well as pre-sessional we do have in-sessional programs as well okay um yeah and that's where um, that was done in the past and we would be they're kind of up for review now that the the modules um, we are um, considering that but that's where we do have actually credit modules for in sessionals and that's where it's very important to make sure that the b2c one is mapping onto the 50 percent two twos or the 60 percent two ones and so forth
0: yeah. And would, would that be expressed in the graduate attributes as well? Do you know? Or is that yes, sort of a given? That's
1: again, thanks for bringing that up, because what we also have to think about is something that's external, um, maybe maybe. In Bali, could probably definitely cover this and in the university descriptors is the extra elements of connection. So we know that looking at graduate attributes, we've got the connected curriculum that's coming in, and then we also have the key essential elements, which was a key focus at the conference, academic integrity and research integrity. So we need to make sure that we really have all bases covered Um, when developing the EEP programmes. So we're not doing any disservice to students because the whole aim is that we're scaffolding and guiding them on. You know, to be able to participate um, effectively and as comfortable as possible in a a a higher education um, context. So we can't forget to be referencing those and looking at documents where demonstrate what the the skills involved. What do they need to do?
0: Yes, that's, that, that's so that. true. And, and I li- I really like your point around the incessional and being able to, you know, continue to improve in an explicit way with with clear sort of outcomes or at least milestones throughout their academic career. I think that's really, really yeah. interesting. That's it.
1: That's it too. Yeah. Um,
0: Uh, Do you think, with regard to the companion volume, and um, I'm not quite sure, I haven't really considered it in specific relation to EAP, so, but are there any of the recent additions, such as the mediation scales or whatever else that um, have had any impact, do you think, specifically on EAP? Um,
1: I think... I think in teaching in general, if I'm if I'm honest, I don't think like specifically to EP. I think what it's done, what it probably has done in the, the context of um plurilingualism, mediation and plural culture, I kind of put the all together really because it's really and co-constructing it's really all about working together. Um, with the linguistic and cultural um, diversity that we're finding in our classrooms is that I think that it's you know it's very much in line with with a lot of the genders at the universities in terms of global reach and so forth so I think what it's what it's really done is making sure that it's a key part of the teaching and learning um, process and that it's a key part of, um, you know, enabling students to successfully participate at university. What I think it's also doing, though, is that we're starting to run workshops with staff around Mm -hmm. communicating in um, linguistically diverse environments and how we can adapt our language and how we co- con- how we can co-construct and so forth. So I think that in in many ways the EAP within universities anyway is really kind of um, really bringing in and highlighting the the essentials for everybody to be able to do many of the can-do statements in those areas.
0: That's yeah. really interesting. So you're bringing in a sort of if you like. Um, Uh, lecturer training, so to speak, or at least PD opportunities in the communicative and communicative kind of area for, for, um, in relation to this context. What what about the teachers who are teaching the, pro, you know, the pre-sessional programmes, Mm. Julie, is there, where would they be starting from, do you think? That would be very much with
1: the CFR. On the pre-sessional Thanks. so the, the the and that's a bit uh, thank you for bringing up because that's that that's clearly the different kind of grading outcomes of programs so um Kerry platts is the head of our pre-sessional program so she would very much be looking at the cfr and pearson's actually and mapping with those and still the 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 bar leap as well um but the outcome of the pre-sessional they would be looking at grades relevant to b2 plus or c1 depending on the entry requirements so the pre-sessional is really um let's say a proficiency program of academic english that incorporates the academic english and skills as well but i know that this for for the for next year academic integrity and research integrity will now have to play very much a part in those programmes and review. I think the, the CANDO statements may, I know it's in there, but I say together we'll have to review our programmes to make sure it, it really is and get some advice on it. And then, as you said, the, the level eight international masters pathway is more grading in terms of the university levels.
0: That's really yeah. interesting to hear. And I'm delighted That's to us. hear academic integrity and re- research integrity is kind of um, getting a stronger profile just generally. Um, yeah, it's it's certainly uh, a very positive area to be looking at currently. Yeah. Um, uh, is there anything further you'd like to share with us, um, Julie?
1: No, just to, just just to expand a little bit, what, just very quickly go about the the point in um the staff development is because uh, we, we think it should be embedded on all programs really the the aspects of um plural culture mediation plurilingual is is ultimately it's about it's for me it's a quality diversity inclusion um yes absolutely. aspect it's about I creating really inclusive learning space for students ultimately and so all of our staff and all of our students irrelevant of linguistic and cultural backgrounds we it it should be a, a kind of embedded in in curriculums because i'm very aware as teachers and lecturers and staff it's complex and it's very complex a kind of new landscape for many navigating with these challenges that it's bringing but it's an amazing wealth um of benefits for students to be able to experience such diversity in their in their programs for all students and to be able to navigate that that diversity so we need to see it as a wealth rather than any anything that's problematic that it's enriching and embrace it and just make sure that we are helping staff and students navigate um, this changing um, landscape
0: and I really like that point. I, I love the point of relating sort of language competence to to equality diversity and inclusion i think yeah. that's absolutely key and probably not just for second and third language users for from everyone's point mm-hmm. of view the other point i've picked up on julie that you've been talking about that i really like is that idea that you know language development and eap competence development doesn't stop once you've entered freshman or once you've got on your postgrad program you know that it's an ongoing um strand of your yeah. educational learning of your of your learning uh, during your enrolment
1: Yeah, throughout and into employment um as well yes. um and and just one last thing about uh, le- uh, with a2 learners because we've been i've been talking very much about b2c1 and I, I, this is something i know um that we've discussed previously just to say um as well to to for, for programs and and schools and language centers and to really consider as well how the elements of VAP can actually enhance general English in one aspect. That was something we were trying to do at European Island, really bring together all language schools, language centres together. Um, and um, I, I I brought a lot of EAP back into my general English um, teaching and, and I find it immensely um, helpful for students. And that also at all levels, you know, when you have a student who's coming in at maybe an A2, And their vision is to go to university in Ireland, for example, that you can say to them, look, let's start building on this now, you know, um, because of the number of students, we might only have an EAP EAP programme for B1 plus and upwards because the number of students purely. But really, even at A2, we can start just raising students' awareness, seeing, you know, when you compare and contrast these texts, this is the first step of, you know, one step towards academic reading. When you compare and contrast, writing your opinion, this is one. All of these are little steps to building, um, building on um, kind of higher level um, learning, let's say that's that's required at university. Um, so I think that we can make it accessible for all learners in many ways. You know, even critical thinking, the complex concept that is, um, we again, we can say, let's you know, you're you're compare and contrast in a presentation, just a three minutes, okay? That's 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 critical thinking there, um, in a, a certain way, and just making students feel like that because very often you meet students and even at, at master's level or PhD, they say my academic English isn't very good, and you're like it's very very strong, and it's because they're not aware of the basics that they've actually built up over the years. yes, So they
0: tend to think because of course the logistics or the label of the courses kind of misleads them in a way Mm. so that they think it's, oh, I've been doing general English. Now I'm going to do English for academic purposes as if they're two entirely discrete things. And uh, I think that's that's misleading as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely with that. Yeah. Julie, thank you so much. Wow, we've learned such you. a lot. And thank you there's you definitely the a lot going on in your part of the world and in the, the UCC Language Centre and in DDP Island as well. So yeah. thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, thank you for sharing.